hello everyone welcome to the new episode of everyday talkies now before you jump on to listening to this episode wait take a breath smile get your regular dose of life changing entropy here on everyday talkies hello guys welcome to the new episode of everyday talkies today i'm here with a new guest harsh hey harsh Hey Anshul, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Thank you for coming. This is not the Harsh which I previously I think brought in the podcast. That's my cousin brother. This is my senior. So you'll get to know more about the course of the podcast. Well, first of all, Harsh, as I gave you the warning earlier on, this is the only tough spot that I'll put you in. So you have to give a thirty-second intro about yourself, but not something you know very corporate like something uh, which you would have. given when you met a new friend or when you were introducing to a new friend you know in whatever part of your life so something like that so that you know our audience howsoever small that might be uh, they get to know you and then we can you know have a conversation how does it sound it sounds interesting i'll give it my best shot let's see uh my name is harshdeep gupta i am 25 years old and potentially most useless computer scientist you probably ever met if you go by my marks it'll say something else but uh Honest to God, I swear I am the most rubbish computer scientist out there. Probably here and there, but when it comes to things I'm doing currently, I'm a commercially licensed pilot from Australia. Currently working slash training with a major Indian carrier, and I'm very happy to report that the number of takeoffs I have is equal to the number of landings. <laughs> so yeah, that's a start. Uh, very good thing. <laughs> In my line of work, you better hope it's the same. <laughs> you're a pilot so that would be something uh, we are very much looking forward to discuss about that part of your life but other than that i'm sure there must be other things which interests you so what is that when you don't see me like brandishing this whole pilot thing left right and center <laughs> what you possibly see me doing is trash talking on the playstation like i play a lot of video games like it's a sick addiction like uh, it's you know how they say uh, in zmnd in the manly the challenge that that's <laughs> me man and i think the only sport i could possibly see myself watching for the rest of my life is formula 1 it is nice. the epitome for me i don't know if you have a lot of f1 fans but here's the first i guess <laughs> no no nice. don't worry now that i recall my brother is uh, has got it into f1 racing and he's like he talks so much that i don't understand at all and then um, i had actually a guest who was into f1 racing and he wanted somebody to talk to discuss f1 so you know let, let me rope that in let me bring some interests together <laughs> but okay we'll jump into that soon but you're the first pilot and you know given that i already know you as my senior i can take the unwanted advantage which nobody else has to talk and ask you how the hell did you switch your career so drastically i'm going to be honest bca was always sort of like a detour it was never plan a for me plan a was always going to be a pilot oh, okay but uh, i think dad stepped in after a bit and he's like listen man the situation's kind of bad but why don't you do a degree get yourself like a something that you can fall back on later on in the future And I was like, okay, fine. If you insist, because he's the one paying the bills at the moment, so <laughs> yeah, I'm going to listen to you. <laughs> so, then, so yeah, decided to join BCA. Now, some people would then ask, why BCA? Why not an engineering degree or something else? Mm-hmm. But the BCA syllabus that I saw in Christ University was so beautifully tailored for the modern entrepreneur. If you think about it, right? You've got all the coding tools. all the digital tools and accounts and all the peripheral activities like accounts and your copywriting I, i forget what they call it professional english or something like that the technical writing yeah yeah technical writing that is the word that yeah. is the word they had so many of these multifaceted 
topics which sort of channel you into being the modern day entrepreneur like a get go package to get yeah, you on that law psychology everything absolutely it was phenomenal if you think about it if everything was tailored in to you getting this massive skill set pushing on in life to be an entrepreneur so I was like yeah damn good uh, at least I'll have a solid skill set to back me up in case things don't pan out and I'm not able to but I mean if I fail to be a pilot or something like that mm-hmm. but essentially I think when the last time you saw me I was probably 110 kgs or something like that I I was a big boy man oh I, I could put away like two large pizzas dominoes any day hands down and right now you after like a protein shake I'm just like dying I was like oh too much food I'm going to cry So yeah, I lost like 30 kgs. Damn, I think that's that awesome. was the hardest. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the hardest part. I think that that is literally the most annoying part of the whole journey was losing the weight and not being able to eat the things I did. But it, it's sort of a reflection of what you think you're going to be able to do. Like if you're willing to put in your 100% into doing your dream job or which is uh being a pilot in my case, then it sort of shows. Like there are some things you just can't half ass. You can't half ass being a pilot. because there are so many people dependent on your competence that you can't take any liberties and the demonstration of said fact would be i'm putting an effort to make myself look good and feel good and perform to the best of my ability that that was something which was the biggest hurdle i had to get over when becoming a pilot okay let me you know turn the time machine a bit back and go to your early years so as you said you know bc was a detour for you and pilot was main trip how did that you know come into the picture because obviously there must be some instances in your childhood you know attracted you to that field so how did it all you know pan out to this entire final goal of being a pilot i think i have this bad habit even as a child to romanticize things so i would see planes in the air i'd be like oh look plane then i think my dad after that point got me like books on books with planes in it and like world war 2 plane books and stuff like that and you'd have like your spitfires and your hawker hurricanes and you'd have all those messer schmitts and amazing looking aircrafts and i just sort of got absorbed in that and the thing which really pushed me over the edge was uh flights in later 98 like i think my dad had used his provident fund like from one of his earlier jobs and he used that provident fund to buy a old i mean at that point in time it was a new compact uh, desktop and the thing we got i think the thing he installed was microsoft flight simulator 98 and you'd be taking off from this really potato looking airfield in chicago in this potato little cessna and because i didn't have a joystick at that time you i would be using like the keyboard and stuff it was re- the equivalent of the most autistic flying you could possibly do using the keyboard and mouse and stuff i was like oh my god this is what i want to do but definitely not like this but it sold me i was so enamored by the whole concept of flight like even when you flew as a 90s kid in uh, back in the old airlines like indian airlines and the old jet airways and all of that it was an experience right those air hostesses coming up to you giving you candy this is before 911 so i even had the opportunity of going into the cockpit during the flight and then he'd be like bitter christmas tree dekhna and then he'd press a button and all the lights would light up and stuff in the cockpit and he'd, i was just like dude this is what i want i mean these guys look like rock stars man when you'd see them in the airport and i was just like this is where i'm going to be man this is where my life is going to take me and here i am <laughs> Okay, interesting. So that's how you got interested into aviation, and then did the usual, right? 
Let's just say aviation is not exactly at the peak that it was at, but it's definitely going to get better because aviation is one of those things which connects the entire world together. Even if you're not shipping people around, you're shipping their letters, their products, their packages, anything. It still needs to move around, and aviation is an essential tool for that thing. Um, but would I suggest you? So there are two routes essentially to getting into aviation at this point of time as a pilot. One is the conventional way, which is find a training organization, sign up with them, do the requisite number of hours, get the requisite endorsements on your license, and you're a fully certified pilot. And then you go out on your way and you know try and apply for jobs, get a job, and carry on. The other pathway is called the cadet pathway, or uh, where you sign up with an airline, and they essentially bond you to them for a certain number of years against a certain amount of money. and during that course of time you will be uh, taken from like absolutely ground zero your three papers which is your nav navigation paper your regulations paper and your meteorology paper so you'll be trained to pass those following which you'll then finish your flying component and then you'll be typewriting for the bigger aircrafts let's say a320 and then as and when you finish all of that you join the line directly into the airline without waiting and applying for jobs you go straight into the airline and then you carry on with life as well but that's in the perfect world obviously there will be delays here and there and there will be other hurdles along the way now an important thing to note when it comes to these cadet programs is even if one airline let's say indigo for example has uh, multiple vendors doing the same training so you'll have one dude sitting in india you doing the training one dude who can do the training in australia one in south africa two in the united states if i recollect and maybe somewhere else but top of my head those are the vendors that are there so i am a part of one of these cadet programs and i had gone to do my training initially in a place in maharashtra for these three exams that i mentioned earlier the nav met regs finished that off ideal plan was to be sent off to the united states where i'd finish the rest of my training but like most things in the world it didn't pan out i think there was an in a fleet fire in the sense that all the aircrafts being maintained there a couple of them had caught caught on fire so they had grounded the entire fleet and then uh, the company then decided the vendor then decided that it's in boss we can't send you to the united states you'll have to train in india although the operations in india i don't want to throw any shade on them like I, because i've never really actually looked at them per se i wasn't really looking at having the indian experience i want to have an education abroad uh-huh. so first thing i did was try to the big bosses in the airline i was like listen man this is not what i signed up for is there any way if there's another vendor who if i can if i'm able to impress them they can take me on board and carry on from where ever i left off and uh, they were able to facilitate that move for which i'm extremely grateful and then i joined another vendor called flight training adelaide and i then went to train with qantas academy with a so the qantas group airlines based in australia i went to go train with them 
and uh, i think we did it in record time i think almost 8 months i had my commercial license oh damn i had a multi engine rating so that allows me to fly an aircraft with two engines and i had an instrument rating which allows me to fly in bad weather in clouds in like basically conditions which limit your visibility and your ability to look outside the cockpit so all of that put together took roughly about 8 to 9 months and this was all during the pandemic everything included it all, all it took was like 9 months so yeah okay wait this is so amazing um okay so first things first let me uh, clear out some doubts that i have did you really have to do let's say undergrad to you know uh, get your flight trainings done and everything like that let me put it this way there are 19 year old kids who are sending me text messages right now saying hey dude did you put in your documentation to dca so no you can as long as you have that requisite number of marks from class 12 you can almost immediately apply for this cadetship program or even the conventional thing you do not need an undergraduate degree If you think about it, in the perfect world, you could be a commander of an aircraft by the age of twenty-four, maybe even twenty-three, which is quite phenomenal. Oh, that's amazing! Okay, so that was you know for people who wanted to go into this pilot program, but now you know it's focusing on your experiences. First of all, how was the experience of probably the first time you went to Australia and started there and did your training for the eight nine months? So how was the experience there? Australia is a phenomenal country. Like the people are. extremely extremely welcoming they're almost as loud and brash as us in the sense that they have the same passion and energy when they deal with people um i honestly didn't i felt homesick a little bit i'd be lying if i didn't say i was but i think the way they get you involved in everything and the way they treat you it's completely different there is no ma'am sir up hierarchy lower hierarchy you're all on the same level playing field it's sort of like a Here's the information. I'm giving it to you. Now it's up to you to take it and apply it or not. So they're not going to like force feed it, sort of in the Indian fashion, which is uh, something which caught <laughs> us a lot, which caught all of us by surprise. They were like, yeah. most of us were like, yeah, yeah, if we don't get it now, we'll get it tomorrow. They'll help us out and stuff like that. And they were like, and it, it wasn't like that. It was like you've got a, you take all the information. They'll give you all the pointers, but it's up to you to connect the dots. and uh, that's a style of education we want that in india it's sort of like here the dots here i'll connect the dots for you here's everything just like vomit out the same thing whenever your test comes so there it was it was just like here's the dots connect it let's see if you're able to connect it or not that that was sort of the mentality over there and it really gets you going in the sense that because you're you're made to think out of the box made to figure it out on your own you're that much more complete a pilot you're that much more Uh, confident in your own ability because you're not dependent only on your teacher you're dependent on your teacher to show you the way but it's up to you to actually climb the hill he'll be like okay there's the hill climb it and then it's up to you to climb the hill but in india it'll be like here the the teacher will come with you along the way hold your hand take you up all the way to the top of the hill and yeah show you climb the hill but did you do it on your own not really you had somebody to help you out I mean in retrospect if you think about it the amount of spoon feeding we got in college and in school with regard to everything like all the tuitions we did all the classes we had in school it was just reinforcing the same concept again and again and again it's the same question again and again and again there was no, like reading into your own area in the sense that how, how do i explain it like basically they didn't allow us to use our own brains Let's put it in you know, exactly. as simple as that. Exactly. You can't just vomit out an answer. You need to like think it out for yourself. And if you're wrong, you'll say think again, 
figure it out but if you're right great you figured it out on your own i may have pointed you in the direction but you figured it out on your own and that's far more gratifying you're so much more confident in your ability like you can say that yes i solved the question or yes now i know how to fly a plane because i didn't have somebody just sitting on my head holding my hand saying that this is how you do it this is how you do that they were like so if you get the gist of what i'm trying to say but yeah that's actually quite interesting and this is something which i have heard from i think everybody who has studied outside that the culture in uh, the education culture specifically here in india is very as everyone said spoon feeding style you know our teachers say that they don't want to spoon feed but they ultimately do that and um, well outside it's more you know on case study basis and as you correctly said it's um, they just you know give you the information and then you have to figure it out on your own and that's again 100% say it's 100% more gratifying because you know you're confident in your abilities you're confident in what you know and you know you can implement it because you've already done it once so exactly exactly you you've nailed it in the head absolutely okay so one thing which i had said earlier uh, regarding the pilot here i think probably said it as a joke that you know your takeoffs are <laughs> equal to the number of uh, flights you have landed but it's very challenging to get in your head that um, lives of so many people are in your hand you know and it just not applies to being a pilot it applies to being a be a lawyer or, you know law enforcement person or being a doctor for that matter right so these professions are in themselves um, first of all challenging to get into obviously but on the other hand you are responsible for other people right and that may or may not take a toll on your mental well being or your personality so was there any point in your life whether you struggled with that fact or were you like always comfortable and confident i mean uh, there's this joke which goes around which is uh, there are two types of pilots a good pilot and a bad pilot a uh, bad pilot will never be anxious he'll never be nervous he'll never be anxious he'll always be confident he'll always be ready to go he's like that got that hero attitude to him and a good pilot he'll be anxious because he has a bad pilot sitting next to him on the left hand side so the way you think about it is yes you need to give it your all you need to deliver at the best of your ability because it's just not your life which is dependent on how you i mean take your actions like everything is 100% serious there is no screwing around like outside the aircraft you'd be having a laugh having a joke with your instructor just generally goofing around but the moment you get in the cockpit it's a whole different aura it's a whole different attitude towards everything if i screw up i need to know why i screw up how i screwed up and how can i prevent it from happening in the future to me it's the most important thing in the world is to understand why i made a mistake and how i can stop it from happening because i owe it to the people who are choosing to fly with me that i deliver to the best of my ability and yes there are like half a hundred computer systems flying the aircraft it's sort of pilot this that and the other but when things go wrong they can go extremely wrong very quickly and that is when pilots come in and that's something which people don't really grasp so people joke about a lot which is like pilots the best they play me and uh, that's the autopilot and it just flies off on its own and everything and uh, yeah sure that's that's there but there's so much more to it like 90% of our training is training for the worst and 10% is training for the normal so that's essentially a good way of breaking down how things work in the aviation industry which is train for the worst so then when it does actually happen you just like take care of it like second nature no issues so if you look at all those air crash investigations and all and if the pilot ever comes on to the radio you'll just hear like calm chill relax like yeah there was a depressurization in the cabin but there's nothing to worry about we put it down soon enough <laughs> so it's like just another day in the week 
there is a pressure that gets built on you that there are people that you need to take care of but it's all part and parcel of the job it is something that we are trained to deal with on a daily basis and it's not something we take lightly at all it is the most important thing to us is making sure that everybody is one safe and second comfortable and in that order makes sense i mean like we've always heard that you know uh, flying is the most safest means of travel so now that you've you know you are the pilot so give me some honest opinions there like uh, do you feel the same does the adage hold true i mean it is largely safe because of the technology which goes into the aircraft now i've flown small aircrafts that's really where the pilot component comes in because there are a lot there are very few onboard systems which can actually kick in and save you or help you out like you're more dependent on your own ability to get things done and then naturally human error will always come into play there are always external factors that will come into deciding if it was a good flight or a bad flight and uh, yeah it is safe as long as one you trust your aircraft and two you trust yourself the moment you have an issue with either don't fly it's as simple as that it's sort of like a do or die situation even if you know you could do it why bother doing it if you're not happy but saying that i i sound like a very disciplinarian kind of person <laughs> but but let me give you a little example of the of the general screwing around we used to do uh-huh. so on my commercial pilot test there was uh, i think the the check instructor who i used to fly with we had this bad habit oh sorry we were both of us were cursed whenever we flew with each other there would be absolute shit weather like it was guaranteed the weather would be at its peak worst like i i cannot begin to describe like how so as a vfr pilot which is visual flight rules the biggest thing is not flying into a cloud because visual flight rules means you need to be able to look outside the cockpit and say that wo ghar hai wo cloud hai main main cloud mein nahi jayega okay cloud ke niche hi hai so that's where the uh, the instrument rating comes like main cloud mein hai koi dikkat nahi main land karega no problem but that comes much later in in vfr flying you just need to be able to see everything around you and the moment you lose your vision your sight it's an immediate fail so naturally when you have bad weather when you have rain when you have clouds and you have fog and all that stuff those are the things which can potentially potentially cause you to fail your test because the moment you enter a cloud that's it it's over he will say he look at you and he will be like take me back thankfully thankfully none of that ever happened so far so no take me back from me thankfully so yeah back to the story so yeah on the cpl flight test day absolute crap weather the the check instructor will never say that uh, listen i'm not flying today he will always give you the he'll be like uh, hey man you're the pilot in command today which is your flight your test are you going to fly or not now any is this is where you have to start playing devil's advocate you have to be like uh, yeah the weather is bad any good pilot would say that you know dodgy weather virus kid you can always do it tomorrow tomorrow's another day this thing that thing all of that and on the other hand you'd have like the top gun cocky pilot saying that channa they just send it just go for it i'll just show everybody who's a real pilot <laughs> so you have that so so then nine times out of 10 it'll be the cocky top gun pilot in me who'll be like you know what just let's just go send it bad weather whatever i'll make it happen and um, even when you say something like that you need to like plan it out so if you look at my map that day it was like a jackson pollock painting it had like <laughs> so many lines all over it like for backup routes like if oh if i got lost here or if i if there was clouds here this is where i divert this is where i go this is where i go it was just a mess but i just wanted to prove more to myself than anything 
than to anybody else was that even in the worst situations i can still make that flight happen it was more so a sort of pat on my own shoulder saying that yeah i could do it even when the odds are against me and that's something which a lot of people will end up doing somewhere down their life where everybody says that no this is a stupid idea you shouldn't do it especially when you have something as risky as a test but the moment you do it the, the first time you do it and the first time you accomplish it there's that that there's that stress that nervousness of the first time which completely dissipates and you believe in yourself and your ability a lot more i don't mean that you go out every day and fly in crap weather and test your luck all i'm saying is that when it ever came down to it in a really bad situation you knew you could handle it and it wasn't your first time so that, so yeah when it, when you talk about how safe flying is it's really on based on the ability of your pilot and the safety of your aircraft and both of them are redundant in the sense that all the big aircraft you fly all of them have redundancies built in so in case one fails another one will kick in if that fails another one will kick in same way with the pilot if one pilot cops it you'll always have a second <laughs> so both of them are there but yeah it is a very still one of the safest ways to travel and i don't i don't know about the most environmental friendly but definitely the most efficient is i think the way of putting it it's not a waste of time yeah obviously so okay now jumping back to the point which i think you had mentioned earlier and i would want to uh, stress on it you know more on the selfish reasons but uh, the thing is you lost you know 30 kgs away but that's a great accomplishment on itself so you know i might just uh, ping you separately to give me tips because i need to accomplish that very soon <laughs> but uh, aside from that was it something you wanted to do because it was mandatory for you to fly or was it something which is which was something which you wanted to do aside from aviation oh 100% was something i had to do besides aviation i think the day you take your shirt off and you just look at yourself in the mirror and you just look at that guy and you're like you know i could be so much more sexier <laughs> like, but no no jokes apart you mean when you look at yourself in the mirror and you see yeah, all those like, love handles falling on the side you're just like you know what i can be so much more healthy and this is not what i owe to myself i can really put in the effort and uh, enjoy a much more healthier happier active lifestyle and it's it's a lot of hard work but is it worth it 100% every single day of the week it's more worth it um so yeah let me say aviation was an excuse but even when aviation is not there i'm i'll still be working out i'll still be being i'll still be more conscious of the way i eat it's it, it becomes a lifestyle i think you realize how much crap you've been putting in and uh, you're just like yeah i can do it now it is that's something you know you just need that push or the start because i think that is something personally i could speak for myself you know i'm also trying to do something i started you know it's happening but in a very slow pace for me you know we are always in the lookout for quick validation right quick results and uh, absolutely you don't wait for the rewards to kick in and that is where many of us feel i fall into that category but um, yeah probably you could give tips to people like us not on you know how to manage your diet or how to be healthy and all of that because i think that's all available but on how to um, condition yourself mentally because i think that is not key only for you know keeping yourself in shape but as an attitude towards life right a uh, great way to looking at it is everybody likes to give them a big pat on their back saying that many aaj shuru kiya diet it's like good for you you started your diet but that's not the hard part the hard part is sticking to your diet if you're able to be consistent with something then you are winning 
right the moment you're able to eat that same bloody chicken rice every single day of the week for a month then i can almost guarantee you your you your results it's being consistent with things which will get you so much more further in life when it comes to your work ethic the way you dress the way you eat the way you work out just be consistent and that's where the results come in everybody is so hyper hyper with the idea that oh this diet is not working let me switch to keto or keto is not working paleo, let me go to paleo diet no bro the whole idea about the diet is that you use the diet for a prolonged period of time so that you'll get those results and absolutely you're absolutely nailed the fact that everybody's gratified by instant results but unfortunately health is one of those places where you can't get instant results however however there is a tip i can give you and it is something that was subconsciously passed to me by my dad which was um, buy yourself a weighing scale and uh play a game so my game was i had to set up a base rule every morning i would be before drinking any water uh maybe after going to the loo and water all basically at the driest weight i have so the least amount of weight i have is in the morning when i've not taken in any fluids and i've expelled the waste from last night right if, if for a less choice word um go stand on the weighing scale and i'll note it down and you're like okay fine my weight today is 110.8 kgs cool sorted then what i'll do is every 3 to 4 days i'll do the same thing i'll go back and i'll check my weight usually the 3 to 4 days will give you close to maybe 400 500 grams even at 400 500 grams is quite a substantial amount of weight you're losing mm-hmm. right in a bigger scheme of things that's quite a lot of weight you're losing so the 300 400 grams really kicked me kicked into my head saying that yeah you can actually do this this actually work for you and then as the weeks carried on that 300 400 grams remained consistent up until a point where it stopped and i was like wait a second why is it stopped now and then you realize that all the the training you had done to that point has now become something which was which is now like standard practice for your body you you're no longer exerting your body your body is now used to it your body has terms of the fact that you're that much more fitter and agile and that 10 km run you did every day is now easy peasy lemon squeezy <laughs> now it's time to up it again that 10 km is now 15 km if you want to make that 15 km with a gradient go for it 15 km at a higher pace setting go for it but track it not with those bloody fitbit fancy as watches okay i say fitbit and all that nonsense i actually have one of those but what i'm saying is the best way to gauge it is using something as simple as your weight scale that will be your worst friend oh worst friend is actually a is an odd way of putting it but yes he's a very critical friend because he'll tell you if you're getting fatter or thinner but he'll always tell you the true results so stay consistent and find a way to gauge your progression because if you don't have a weighing scale and in your head you think you're losing weight you're not you need to find a way to reinforce the fact that you're losing weight not only does it motivate you but it also keeps you in check so that's there and uh, one more tip i just like to give out there a free advice as one would say is when it comes to diet just treat your body very simply as an engine right if you give it a certain number of calories it will burn a certain number of calories if you give it too many calories it will store the excess number of calories in the form of fat so the main basic principle behind all those diets is is being in a calorie deficit which is your engine will burn more calories than it is actually than it's actually being given so if you are eating only 
maybe 1500 1800 calories a day while your body needs 2500 calories to actually go through the day you are in a deficit so what it does is it starts taking in all those uh, stored fatty uh, the fat maybe your muscle something your muscles and everything as breaking those down for uh, your what you call it to to burn off to basically meet the difference in calories that it's not able to get so calorie deficit is the is the name of the game then after that you can plan your diet around that calorie deficit which is if you want to do keto diet which is high fat medium protein and almost no carbs that's there you <laughs> your kidneys and your liver but actually it actually screwed i did keto it gave me like really fast quick results but would i do it again hell no the result what it did to my liver and my kidneys no the results are like all over the charts was it a tasty diet hell yes it was a tasty diet because all i was eating was bacon spinach and eggs oh my god i was i was enjoying life but it it, it is a dangerous diet it is just generally not good for you um i think a balanced diet of like vegetables fruits and uh, chicken and all of that stuff i mean protein in however you can yeah is important but it's also important to track it in the sense that i i've really become really weird these days where i i have like this app which tells me the number of calories each amount of food is and i actually weigh out my food so if i'm eating like a uh broccoli i it needs to be exactly 100 grams of broccoli because in the 100 grams of broccoli it translates to so many calories right you just can't be like paleoing broccoli continuously <laughs> right yeah because even after that after a certain point that will also go over and above just because you're eating healthy doesn't mean you're actually losing weight like if you just eat a, like a whole boatload of healthy food you're still going over that calorific budget of 2500 or 2800 whatever your body requires right so you need to be in a calorie deficit and you need to eat healthy both of them are important one for your vitamin balance and the other is to generally all these healthy foods are healthy for the simple reason that they make you full with a lot uh with a very few calories so your bread if you have one slice of bread it's like maybe 100 calories if you eat one banana it's again 100 calories but your it's the the one banana is so much more fulfilling and satiating than that one piece of bread so yeah, the i digress i have just gone to like this random rant <laughs> about calorie deficits but yes that is there but that's something which many of us have to you know learn given in this world where um well it's easy to be become lazy and not pay attention to your health oh yeah for sure i think a lot of people just say oh you know i've got work to do and uh, i can't really dedicate time to work now no man no you know there's this really funny quote which they had on reddit uh, a life pro tip i think that was the sub subreddit life pro tips don't treat your body like a rental treat it like a, it's a car that you're going to own for the next 45 years damn so that 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 just blew my mind it's like that uh-huh. has a point <laughs> maybe i shouldn't just be like eating all kinds of shit and make myself feel good mm-hmm. so like so yeah that's that treat it like you're going to own that body for the next 45 years a lot of people treat it like it's a rental and they're going to give it back the next day mm-hmm. so yeah don't trash that car bro just keep it carefully and keep it nicely and it'll take care of you well that's some good piece of advice now i'll not dwell on this fact more and not make people realize so much <laughs> start slowly be consistent i think that's one of the key advices that you got from harsh absolutely digressing a bit and probably ending that whole pilot chapter here would be uh-huh. what are your future plans you know now that you're a commercial pilot um training 
and all of that so you know where do you want to be like again it's not like you know where do you want to be in 5 years or something but your interest goal basically you you always wanted to be pilot you know a pilot so what next what next well essentially i'd like to find a sort of je ne sais quoi as they say in french which is that something uh which separates me something that makes me unique because at the end of the day a pilot is nothing more than another pilot there's nothing which differentiates me from the various other pilots which are on the line i am trying to look for an opportunity in aviation uh which allows me to understand the business a lot better so that when in case things go bad that should they don't and the airline has to decide that they need to keep the pilots and not keep pilots it'll be like oh no i really want harsh to stay because he's more than a pilot he's an invaluable asset to the company because he brings a lot more to the table so yeah next thing on the agenda is trying to find that something which will help me grow as a pilot and as a businessman i so that's one facet of it if you're thinking like really long distance like years and years like when i'm retired and all of that stuff i'm going to be straight up and honest and say that i'm going to open a restaurant bro oh. the most relaxing thing for me is cooking food and serving it to people having a good time and just being hospitable there's nothing more rewarding than seeing sending someone back home with a full stomach and a smile on their face oh well that would be awesome wait that's really really cool it, it's out there right like you don't have pilots say that hey man i want to start <laughs> like a restaurant that's like yeah man bro i'm going to be a chai wala in the next five years man <laughs> that, that's what's going to be No, but you know, that's the unique thing that you talk about, right? You know, you build. Uh, I I think read somewhere, uh, you listen to it somewhere that how do you get uniqueness, right? Like how do you create uniqueness? And I think the easiest way is interdisciplinary approach, right? We always focus on being an expert in one thing, and that's good. You know, you need experts. But you know, when you mix two things which don't seem, which seems basically poles apart, you create something new. You build your own niche. And I think uh, a pilot who owns a restaurant, or you know. a pilot who serves food i don't know what it can be i'm just throwing out some random stupid ideas but you know someday you'll see harsh's name on the newspaper where he has done something really cool yeah man let's make wellers on demand like just like over <laughs> a fast food restaurant i don't know dude the sky's the limit oh, actually it's not on a pilot no but in all honesty it's good to be different like enjoy yeah. the various skill sets you can have like uh, there are let's say just being a pilot or being good at being a pilot had things that i learned from bca like say management things the way we dress for christ that discipline that we had it could i could have my situational awareness which i got from my video games the appreciation for how things fly from the flight simulator my dad had um generally being able to socialize talk and deal with people from various sales internships all of that i think a really cool way of putting it was uh, from this movie the founder the one based on mcdonald's the the, the ray croc uh so he's talking to the guys who actually founded mcdonald's and he said that uh, we were an overnight success 20 years in the making and likewise when you get to life it everybody else will think it's an overnight success but you've just been working at it you picked up so many of those skills and abilities over so many years only you know how much hard work you put into it and it's good appreciate the effort that you've put into it and enjoy and celebrate and pat yourself on the back ever so often don't let it get to your head because that means that that's the day you stop learning is when you give yourself like too much bow you just got to like you just need to remain focused to the idea that i'm learning every day and from all aspects like you could have a senior pilot saying that or never mind pilots you could have somebody older to you saying that listen you can do this better like this 
but you could also have somebody who's like five years younger than you saying that listen do you can do this so much more faster if you did it like this and that's something which is phenomenally undervalued in the indian indian subconscious it's like no elders know best no elders may know best best but even your juniors know a lot so learn from both ends of the spectrum and i can guarantee you you'll be learning twice as fast because you're learning from two, two separate resources so yeah man just make use of all your advantages you've left me so motivated i'm not sure what's happening to the listeners everyone is just going <laughs> to stop listening to this episode right now and just going to you know go build the lives but actually that's cool man and you know i would have never imagined um somebody who did their bcs and went on to become a pilot and uh, just let me know or let everyone know how is there any way we know that you are our pilot oh you better bloody run if you hear my name man <laughs> in any case i think we were supposed to make those announcements during the airline no? like, oh yes gentlemen today your commander for this flight is harshdeep mitra and then everybody's like nikolo yeah man you better go to now i promise i i trained well i worked very hard i i, I swear like i said equal number of takeoffs and landings i think yes. i must be doing something right yeah <laughs> uh, i'm sure people now must be looking forward to sitting in the flight um, you know commanded by you and the one question that i get uh, i got asked when i told people that you know i'm getting the pilot for the next episode or something like that was uh, can you ask him how to get free tickets or discount tickets for the flight so i'm sorry for asking you this that is that is uh, uh, so i'll tell you both there are two aspects while i was training i had a a host what's the what's the cabin attendant that is the more politically correct term cabin attendant right so i had a cabin attendant friend and now you have a pilot's perspective so the pilot's perspective was or in my perspective is you can't get free tickets unless you have somebody who is unless one of your close relatives is in the airline so let's say tomorrow you marry your your wife is a pilot right she is then allowed to extend uh, these tickets to uh, to you to maybe her father her mother and maybe a third other person so basically the spouse and parents and another person a fourth person maybe even the kids right same thing applies for a cabin attendant as well they have the same thing which is they can give uh, tickets to their close relatives and those are predetermined close relatives who they submit to the company uh, so so they can't just hand out tickets they've already decided who can and cannot get tickets now based on that as even though you get the tickets you're not guaranteed a ticket you need to turn up for the flight and in case the flight is free only i mean in case there is a space available in the aircraft to put you on board only then do you get the flight because if it's a full flight they're not going to remove somebody to put you on board they'll just send the flight and you'll be like sorry boss or tough luck maybe again we'll try again tomorrow so that's how it works so it's again luck based you don't get like free handouts anymore unfortunately So the handful of people listening to this let me give a big disclaimer if you want free tickets uh, you know just ask somebody ask your children or you know your cousins to become a pilot and that's how you can get it that's it that's the only way out yeah and <laughs> make sure the cousin doesn't like backstab you and stuff after becoming a pilot make sure they like <laughs> add you to the list um, yes. and another thing i i think another thing which should be common courtesy these days is treat the cabin attendants nicely because they have like far more power and personality when it comes to in the actual flight because i mean how many times do you actually get to talk to the pilot who are just too busy in, like in the in the cockpit right the cabin attendant is somebody you meet on like on a moment to moment basis because that's what they're doing they're taking care of you right 
So if you take care of them, in the sense that you, that I, I remember one cabin tenant friend of mine told me that uh, he would, I think, some old lady had come in and made like these small, small goodie bags for the cabin attendants and gave it to them, and uh, he distributed it amongst the other cabin attendants, or they'd get chocolates on board and give it to the cabin attendants and some something small just to open, and. More often than not, these cabinet attendants would come back to this person and give them either one of those uh, amenity kits from business class, or if it was really nice and it was a quiet flight, they'd even say, uh, once you were in the cruise and everybody had settled down, they'd be like, "Hey, would you like to just shift to business class?" Uh, so yeah, free upgrades, man. That's there. So yeah, take care of the people taking care of you is what I'm trying to say because they're they're humans as well. They get like so much shit through the day. You'd probably make their day by just getting them something sweet and nice, nothing expensive, just a token of gratitude. I think it's uh, applicable to all phases of your life, you know, not just uh, you know being a cabinet attendant, but everyone. Like, just take, just be good, just be a, be a good human being and appreciate people. That's it. Exactly, exactly. I think people only look at the surface value of people and say that, uh, oh, this guy's a clerk. No, this guy's not a clerk. He's somebody who's been like. Trained to do a multitude of things, mm-hmm. but the only thing that you are there to see him for is his clerical ability. So yeah, that's what you're seeing, but that's not what defines him. Likewise, as you mentioned, it applies for a lot of other things. Same thing with the cabinet attendant. She's not your waitress. She's there to save your ass when things go down. So oh, don't look at me. I'm just going to jump out of the plane, bro, on your own, fam. <laughs> nah, that's not true. That's not true at all. I'm just like, if I said that. <laughs> Uh, well, guys, now you have uh, some hard truths that you need to reflect on it, like be it your health or be it just being nice to other people. Now, that's too much schooling for our audience today. But um, harsh. I know. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for being such a this thing. <laughs> no, no, but it's about it. no, but it's really good, man. That's uh, it's something which people need to hear, and something which I personally also need to hear. And I'd like to thank you so so much for coming here and talking about your life. Uh, like, you know, it's been an hour. I'll not hold you much longer. Probably we'll do something next with a different topic in mind, and not bore people with uh, more cooling. We'll talk about probably F1, or I think we need to do one episode on that uh, gaming addiction of yours. There's oh, lots of people yeah. who would love to, would love to talk to you about it. We should definitely do game. That'd be interesting. That'd be so fun. Yeah. But yeah, again, thank you so much, man, um, for being here, and we'll uh, schedule something cool where we'll bring in people who have similar interests, and we'll discuss this. And maybe, and just maybe, as Harsh had reminded me, I have one more classmate who is a pilot. Probably in the works, I'll call him in. I'll call Harsh. In. We'll have discussions there as well. Talk about uh, oh. some other deep secrets of uh, being a pilot. Some of the horrible experiences and the wonderful experiences which we could not cover in this episode. But, uh, stay yeah, tuned for that. I've got like a whole a trove of stories. I am willing to tell you. Oh my God! You guys stop flying after I tell you. Oh, okay. Then we would do disclaimer before the starting of that episode. So stay tuned for that and wait for that episode, guys. Uh, till then, thank you so much again, uh, Hush, for joining, and thank you everyone for listening. Take care, and we'll see you in the next. Thank episode. you, Bye bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. Follow us on social media and do let us know if you want to be part of the next episode. Till then, live long and prosper. <laughs>